0: Well, we're going to wrap up our uh, little two-week series this morning on Jonah. And uh, I tell you, this, you know, I I told you last week, I've spoken on Jonah several times. And and it's almost like uh, every time I read this story, I gather something new out of it that God speaks to me in in almost a completely different direction. Uh, than he's spoken to me before. Not that the first direction was wrong, but there's just so many different avenues that the Word of God gives you. That's why the Bible is alive. It's a live. It's the living Word of God. It doesn't matter if you've read it once, twice, 1,500 times, you're going to get fresh revelation every time that you read it. And that's why I love the Bible. But when it comes to the story of Jonah, there uh, many people know parts of the story. For example, if I say Jonah, you probably... Immediately think about a giant whale. Uh, most people know that he ran from the Lord and he got on a boat going a, a different direction than where God was telling him to go. Uh, because he was on this boat or because he was disobedient and on this boat, God sends this storm and and uh, all the sailors that are on board trying to figure out what's going on and Jonah says, it's all my fault. And so they say, what shall we do? And he says, throw me overboard and everything will be fine. So they throw him overboard and... Uh, The storm stops, but Jonah is in the middle of the ocean with no boat. That's not a good situation. And so God sends a whale and swallows Jonah. And he spends the next three days and three nights in the belly of this fish, lost in the ocean, if you will. And people know about this. And then they know that that God caused this fish to spit Jonah up on dry land. And, And really, that's about the extent of the story that most people know. However, most people don't know really why he was running from God in the first place. And they really don't know what happened to Jonah, or rather, through Jonah, after this great calamity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at what happened after this horrific experience in Jonah's life. I mean, I'd want to know the rest of the story. What happened after that? So that's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to the book of Jonah chapter number three. Uh, If you can't find it right off, that's okay. Don't check out or don't spend the next 10 minutes looking for it. You can just glance up at the screen and uh, we have the written Word of God on the screens. Isn't that amazing? That's that's technology for you. We're going to read starting from verse number one here. The Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. I love this. If you mark in your Bible, man, Underline that phrase a second time. I am so thankful for the second chances that God gives us. I'm so thankful that when I mess things up the first time that God doesn't say, well, I made a mistake, that God comes back and gives me a word again. I am so thankful that God still speaks in the midst of my ignorance, in the mix, midst of my uh, downfalls and, and uh, frail hu- humanity, when I make mistakes, that God doesn't give up on me. I, are you thankful that God speaks to us still he says he says this verse number 2 look at the message he says get up this is God speaking to Jonah a second time get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you notice this is very important God has not changed the assignment has he? it's very important to know God doesn't look at at Jonah and say oh poor Jonah I'm so sorry you know I made a mistake I I thought I really thought you could do it but I guess you can't Um, let me figure out something easier for you to do. God doesn't do that. God doesn't change His mind on things like that. God has called you to a specific duty, to a specific task for a reason. He's got great plans for you and for the people that you're going to come in contact with. And He wants to use you. So He's not going to change your mind just because, or His mind just because you don't want to do it. And it sounds tough. It's still going to be difficult for Jonah. I mean... Uh, the assignment's still the same. It's going to be tough, but I believe he's probably going to have a different attitude after the, the storm that he was just in. H- how many of you would probably have a different approach the next time when God speaks to you the same message after what you just experienced? Okay, a few of you. And so I'm just here to tell you, sometimes, sometimes God is going to use a storm to get you to say yes. Sometimes you're, God's going to like all right, you don't want to listen? Hmm, let's see how I can get you to listen. Now, we don't want to hear that, but that's evident throughout the Bible. Verse number three, this time, I love this, this time, this time, Jonah's listening. He obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. Now, do you remember what God had told him to do? He told him to go pronounce judgment on the great wicked city of Nineveh. In other words, go tell them that my judgment is coming, that they need to repent. So Jonah does this. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So this is very important. He did what God told him to do. Now watch what happens next. Even though he was afraid, these were wicked, evil people, watch what happens Let's keep reading. Verse number 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. This was a sign of deep humiliation. This was a sign of deep remorse. And repentance. That's what he was doing. They were repenting. Oh God, forgive us. Verse number 7. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the entire city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly, not to their God, but to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Now, can you imagine if our president stands up and makes a decree like this? I know you can't picture it, but just here's what's going on. Verse number 9. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Verse number 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways... They repented. He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. I want to speak to you this morning on this topic, the process of revival. The process of revival. I want you to pray with me this morning that God would speak to our hearts. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that I have to be able to teach the Word of God. Lord, I recognize and I'm very humbled, Lord, but yet honored to, to know that you would use me. And I recognize, God, that it's not anything that I say today, God, that are gonna, that's going to cause a fire and a revival in people's hearts, but it's going to be the Word of God that's going to do the transforming, that's going to do the changing in our lives. So I pray that for the next few moments, as I do my part to communicate what you've laid upon my heart, God, that you would prepare our hearts and minds to receive from you, that you would be speaking to us, God, that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in our hearts as I communicate your word. And I thank you, God, for the revival that is going to take place in the lives of everyone that's in this room today, in their families, in our city, in our nation, and even the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to give you a little bit of background, and some of you already know this, so this is going to be just repeated news to you. But I grew up, uh, my church background is uh, Assemblies of God. That's, that's what I grew up. Matter of fact, right down the road here at Pottsville Assembly of God was, was my home church. And for those of you that don't know a whole lot about Assemblies of God, um, it's a Pentecostal denomination or charismatic. Get a little crazy from time to time. There's, there's not a lot of structure. I mean, if you, if you grew up Pentecostal or grew up Assembly of God, you know that you know, church time may start at, or service time may start at 10 o'clock you may or may not be out by 12. It may be 1, it may be 2, it, it may be 11.30, probably not, but probably on the other side of 12. And I thank God for my upbringing, okay? Uh, but the reason I mention that is because, especially in the Assemblies of God and the, the Pentecostal denominations, revival is a, is a common thing. As a matter of fact, it, it, it was typical to, uh, to have two to three, four to five revivals scheduled a year. And and a revival in in the definition of of that denomination would be a a scheduled church service meetings um, to where you bring in usually an outside speaker, an evangelist, who's going to come and bring a word from God. You'll have singers and worship and things like this. And and the intent is to stir up or to, to get a move of God to happen to where people's lives are touched and people are saved, people are healed and delivered and set free and marriages are put back together. And that's the intent. And a lot of times that happens. But more often than not, really a revival turns into nothing more than just extended church services for the already faithful church attenders to go to. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent. I know I say that a lot, but I hope you like the fact that I'm transparent. Um, I, I remember the last church that I was at, on a yearly basis, they would schedule a two-week revival. And a two-week revival, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's going to church every single night for 14 straight nights. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I hated it. I hated it because I felt obligated to go. Because I didn't want to be looked upon as someone who wasn't spiritual. I didn't want people to look at me as, oh, you don't want to move of God? <laughs> Come on, anybody ever attend those services and you just felt maybe obligated? It's okay, it's okay. I'd rather you be honest than, than to lie, okay? But, but, we, but we went because we felt obligated to go. And for a lot of people, when you hear the word revival, that's what... We think about, we think about a scheduled series of church services, Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Friday. Then we'll pick it back up again the following Monday. I mean, we, that's what we think about when we hear the word revival. And I want to be honest with you this morning. I want to be clear and to the point, these type of scheduled meetings are okay. And if you want to go to those things, if that's what floats your boat or melts your butter, then, then more power to you. That's great. I have nothing against those things. I believe that God can move. However, what I want to be clear about this morning and the point that I want to make is that revival is not something that you schedule. Revival is a supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men and women who repent and obey God's instructions. That's what revival is. In other words, God's not looking at our calendar and He's looking, okay, well, okay, July the 13th through the 15th, they have a revival schedule, so God, we got, we got to get ready. On, let's get our angels around. We Get ready to move on July 13th through the 15th or whatever I just said. He's not looking for a scheduled appointment on your calendar. He's looking for a repentant heart and one who's ready to obey what He's called us to do. And that's what we see in the story of Jonah. Even though it took some time for Jonah to obey, even though it took a great storm to bring about repentance and obedience, he eventually repented and obeyed and brought revival to the entire city of Nineveh. As a matter of fact, from what I can gather from reading this, he brought revival to, to everyone. Like everyone in the town repented And they were a wicked city. And they turned their life to God to be forgiven. That's revival, my friends. That's a true and genuine move of the Holy Spirit. And it didn't happen because a scheduled week of church services. It happened because one man got serious about God's plan to redeem all mankind. I want to read again, and I say again, we read this last week, but I want to read again the assignment that God had asked of Jonah in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai: Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. That's the assignment. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to tell these people to repent. Because this is a wicked and evil culture in Nineveh. But I love these people, Jonah. I know that you don't think that they deserve my grace and my mercy. But I love them. I know they're wicked. I know they're they're corrupt and they've done some cruel things. But I love these people and I don't want them to perish. So Jonah, I want you to go preach to them and tell them that judgment is coming. Because I want to save them. This is God's message to Jonah. But Jonah, you have to give them the message. And Jonah didn't want to do it because the people were evil. He wanted, in my mind, Jonah's like, no, they deserve your punishment. They deserve your wrath. They deserve to die. Kill them. Just go ahead. God, you have my blessing. Just take them out. But yet, God loved those wicked people and He wanted to save them. And I, I can't even put the emotions behind what I'm saying right now of, of what Jonah must have been e- experiencing. God, are you sh- I don't want to go tell these people that you love them. I don't want to go tell these people to repent. And the story of Jonah brings to mind a passage of Scripture in 2 Peter chapter number 3. And this, this passage that I'm going to read to you God spoke to me, even, even this morning, I already had this prepared, but, but God gave me this message that, that this, this story that I'm going to read, or rather this passage I'm going to read, is, is a present day Jonah story. That our world is full of wickedness and evil and corruption. And many times we want to set back and think, well, yeah, one day you're going to regret the way that you've lived your life. But yet God is saying to us like he was saying to Jonah, I want you to tell these people about my love. I want you to tell these people that I want to forgive them because I don't want anyone to be destroyed. I want to save everyone. So let's read this passage in 2 Peter chapter number 3 verses 1 through 10. The Bible says this, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Those are people who mock. Mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first Created. Verse 5. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. Look at this. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Can you see the parallels between what God told Jonah to go and communicate to the Ninevites to what he's speaking to us today to communicate to the world? That there's a day of judgment that is coming, but yet I don't want anyone to perish? As a matter of fact, let's reread this, verse number nine. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. What's His promise? That He's coming again. He's not being slow about that, as some people think. In fact, He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Think of the worst of the worst sinners that you can think of. They are included in the Word anyone. The husband who's abusing his wife, God wants to save him. The child molester who has a perverted mind, God wants to save him. The murderer who has taken multiple lives, God wants to save him. The homosexual who's confused about morality, God wants to save them. The drunkard who refuses to get help, God wants to save him. The atheist who denies the very existence of God, God wants to save him. That's why the Bible is very clear. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But how in the world is that going to happen if we don't go to Nineveh? How in the world are these wicked and, and corrupt, distorted-minded people going to be saved, be set free, repent, if we don't go and tell them the message that God wants us to tell them. That's the present day story of Jonah that I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. Revival. The converting of all of these people to be saved and and set free and and be delivered to become a child of God. That revival is not going to happen by us scheduling a series of church services. It's only going to happen by a supernatural move of God. By us repenting and obeying and getting right and getting serious and sincere about what God has called us to do as men and women of God, as children of God. With that being said, I want to share... With you, what I believe is the process of revival. If you take notes, I, I encourage you to write this down. Your your chances of going to heaven by taking notes goes way up. If you don't take notes, I'm I'm sure there is a place for you in hell. Just to be, blunt, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um. So the process of revival. First of all, first of all, there must be a revival in the heart of a believer. This is, you know, I've I've, I've never even taught on this. This is such revelation. It's it's revelation to me that God's given me this week. In order for a revival to happen in our cities, in our nations, in the world, it has to start with a revival in a heart of a believer. Not in the heart of an unbeliever, in the heart of the believer. Uh, Let me read you a passage of scripture from Romans chapter number 10. The Apostle Paul says this beginning in verse 13. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good News. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that God wants to save everyone. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they going to know to call upon the name of the Lord unless they believe in Him? And how are they going to believe upon Him if they've never heard about Him? And how in the world are they going to hear about Him if if no one ever goes and tells them? And how are they going to be told if people aren't sent, if people don't obey the instruction of the Lord? The revival that took place in Nineveh didn't start in Nineveh. It didn't start with the king or any other person from Nineveh. It started in the heart of a believer. Jonah, a prophet of God. You know, we can sit around and we can complain about how evil our world is and how corrupt that our society has become. We can talk about its wickedness and about how far that we've gotten away from God. But talking about those things will never change it. There has to be a revival in the heart of a believer. If we want to experience revival in our city, there has to be a revival in the heart of a believer. When Jonah was in the belly of that well, a revival took place in his heart. And it started with repentance. I don't know about you, but that would get my attention. <laughs> Come on, can we just be, let, let's not read these things like there's some nursery rhyme, some children's, oh, that's so cute. No, no, no. He's in the belly of a well, in the bottom of the ocean somewhere. I guarantee you, he was praying. I know he prayed, it's in the Bible. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, I have failed you. I'm so sorry that I thought that I was better than these Ninevites. I'm so sorry for passing judgment on them and thinking that they deserved your wrath and punishment. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I guarantee you that's what his prayers were sounding like. Forgive me, Lord, for I have failed you. Folks, I'm just here to say, if we're going to see a healing in our land, this is where it starts. It starts with repentance in our hearts. God, I'm sorry I have failed you for not proclaiming your word. God, I'm sorry I haven't been sharing my testimony with my coworker. God, I'm sorry for thinking they deserved your punishment or your wrath. God, I'm sorry for not caring enough and being compassionate enough for them. God, forgive me. Help me to love them like you love them. Revival's not going to come through Washington, it's not going to come through our government or through any passing of the laws. You know, you know how it's going to come? God's already said it. If my people, my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, that's repentance. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Folks, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, and I know, I, man, I've already chewed on this all week, and it's made me feel like a, a whoop dog, if that's, if that's a thing. Dealing with it. That that we I'm being guilty of talking about how bad our world is, and it is bad, don't get me wrong. But what are we doing about it? Oh, we're scared. We're scared to go talk to this person over here for fear that they may get offended and not like us and defriend us or cut us off from whatever. No more money if it's from mom and dad. We're all we are is modern day Jonas. We're afraid, we're running. And God's saying to us, how in the world do you expect me to save those people if you don't go and talk to them? We have to get serious about sin and holiness and seeking the face of God. we got to get serious about what God has called us to do, which brings us to the next part of the revival process, and that's simply obedience to God's call. Obedience to God's call. Look at this. Revival in the heart of a believer leads to obedience to God's call. When you truly repent, your next step is going to be, God, I'll do it. I'll go where you want me to go. That's what happened in Jonah's life. When the word of the Lord come to him a second time, he's like, yes, Lord. Don't worry, I'm gone. <laughs> no more belly of the whale for me. No more storm experience for me. He obeyed. And once again, this is the process of revival. We want to see revival in our land. It starts with repentant heart, revival in our heart. And then the next step is obedience to what God's called us to do. Simply doing what His Word says. I know it sounds elementary, but let's just start by obeying God. We don't got to schedule some revival, some church service, series of services. We just need to start doing what God's called us to do. Being the true light to this dark world. Bringing hope to a broken world. Obedience. You know, revival would have never come to Nineveh had Jonah not have obeyed God's instruction. It brings the question, when are we going to stop living for ourselves? I know this is hard. Okay? I've already been dealing with it. But when are we going to start, stop living for ourselves and just start obeying what? The Word of God teaches. When are we going to start? When are we going to start sharing the gospel of Jesus? When, when are we going to start pursuing holiness? I know we don't like to talk about that word. When are we, we going to turn our, turn our backs to evil? Walk away from it? When, when are we going to start tithing? That's, I mean, that's part of obeying the Word of God. Ouch. Scott! Come on, let's not turn this into... I'm just talking... When are we going to start obeying the Word of God? And doing what it says to do? When are we going to start serving? Witnessing? Who's going to tell people about Jesus if we don't? Who's going to reach the world if we don't? Obedience to God's call. What He's called us to do. What's He telling us to do? We say, well, you know, I had not heard God speak. Well, if you read your Bible, you hear God speak. Because God's already spoken. I'm not saying that he won't give you a fresh word. He will. But you're going to get no word if you don't read the written word. That's where it starts. Well, I'm just waiting on a word from God. How about go read the word? See what that says. and we'll Start there. The last part of the process of revival is pretty simple. It's repentance of sinners. Here's the process. Revival in the heart of a believer leads to obedience to God's call, which will result in the repentance of sinners. If we're willing to go back to our first love of God. You know, Jesus reminds us that in one of the letters, I think it's the letter to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. Return to your first love. Go, go back to when you first had a love for me. Go back to that, that new birth experience. you ever notice how, how Christians are... You know, just fresh Christians, I should say, recently given their life to just. Have you ever noticed how excited they are? Just, woohoo! Yes, let's go win the world for Christ. And us mature Christians. No, that, that won't happen. Just, just calm down. Return to our first love of God and follow Him faithfully in obedience. That's, that's all we got to go back to our first of God. I, man, I want to fall in love with you more and more today than I have ever been, God. I want to pursue after you, God. I want to love you and obey what God's called us to do. If we will do that, we can experience a revival like the Ninevites experienced. I truly believe that. When we do our part, God does His part and works in the lives of sinners. That's that's all it takes is us to repent. And obey. And God works on the sinners. He works in us and then through us to work in lost people. When when Jonah repented, and and as we've already read, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, and he's like, okay, I'll I'll go. When he repented and then obeyed what God called him to do, here's here's some of the things that happened in the town of, of Nineveh. Number one, sinners repented. They confessed their sins to God. Slave owners proclaimed freedom to their bondsmen, their, their slaves. Prideful men took on humility. Pro- promiscuous women put off their immoral behaviors. A polluted city put off its abomination. The eyes of the homosexuals were open to see their perversion of God's design. Re- that's what ha- When revival comes to a city... That's what happens. And then we just sit back and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. See, we are never, I am committed, this is on my heart so deeply today, we are never going to see revival just by sitting back and praying, God, I just, you know, I hope you do something. I I pray for John over here. That's great that we're praying. But obedience, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Be obedient to the Word of God. Go. Well, Scott, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Yeah, but God's going to be with you. And people are going to be saved, people are going to be delivered, people are going to be healed, people are going to be set free. I I think a lot of us think that there is no hope for our broken world. That it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And if we believe that, then we are underestimating the power of God to break chains in people's lives. I serve, and this is this is kind of cliche because it's a it's a popular song, or or it was a year or so ago. I believe that our God is a chain breaker. I can attest to that. I know He's broken chains in my life. He is a healer. He is a restorer, a deliverer. That's the nature of God. That's what He does. That's who He is. And the reason that we're not experiencing those things today isn't because God's not on the move. It's because His people are not obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's how God, that's how God moves in this earth. He moves through His people who are obedient. Every time we share a word, the word of God to, to people who are lost... God is moving every time that we're a witness to the character of God and live a holy life God is moving every time we say yes to God and go out and testify to people or go out and do whatever that we need to do that God's calling us to do God is moving that's how He moves He can do it and He will do it if we'll repent and return to our first love of God and be obedient to His Word, and follow strongly after Him. I I don't know about you, but I want to see revival in our land. I want to see people that you would never think could be used by God to be used by God, and to be broken from all of the the, the addictions and struggles and bondage that they're in, that they're set free from that. I, I think, and I don't mean to just prolong this point or, or just belabor it, but I think that we've really given up on seeing miracles. That, that we've quit pursuing God and asking God, God, what would you have me do about this situation? What would you have me to do with this dilemma that's in our world? God, what, what is my role? And God's calling us today to, to listen. Press, press into His Word. Get into His Word so you can hear Him speak. We're too busy. We're too busy with everything else. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Too busy with social media that we ain't got time for God. Too busy doing things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. We're just busy. God's saying, be still. Be still and know I'm God. No, I'm still speaking. I'm, try, I'm trying to use you. I'm trying to do something about this situation over here, but I can't, I can't get you still enough. I can't get you quiet enough for you to hear me. If we can get still and get quiet before the Lord and repent and be obedient to his word, God's gonna do something over here. Every story that you look in the Bible where people stepped out on faith, that was a difficult challenge. God was already working on the hearts over here because this person was obeying over here. And He'll do that for you and for me. Last scripture, this is not on the screen. I've already quoted it, but I want to read it to you. If you want to write it down, it's 2 Chronicles 7.14. Here's God's promise for revival. If my people, my people, my people, who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins, and heal their land. My question to you this morning in closing is this. What are you going to do to bring revival to your Nineveh? What are you going to do? Last week I asked you, where is your Nineveh? Where is the difficult place that God is, is calling you to? Or maybe it's not where, maybe it's what. What is your difficult task that God is asking you to do? What are you going to do to bring revival to that situation? What are you going to do to bring hope into that wicked and corrupt place, that wicked and corrupt city or that wicked and corrupt situation? When are you going to stop running from what God is calling you to do? And to any unbelievers who may be in the room this morning, or maybe those who've who've walked away from your dedication to the Lord, you need to know this this morning, and we gather this from the story of Jonah, that the cost of disobedience is always higher than the cost of The cost of disobedience is always higher than the cost of obedience. And maybe right now, if you haven't given your life to Christ, maybe you're thinking that, well, I just, you know, I want to, but yet I don't want to because there's so many things that it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me this. It's going to cost me friendships. It's going to cost whatever. But I'm here to tell you that that disobedience, the cost of disobedience is always going to be higher than the cost of obedience. If you're running this morning, and running from the presence of the Lord, running from His call, running from salvation, running from a difficult task, the answer is surrender. The answer is to repent. God, I'm sorry. I know you have a plan to do something incredible in me and through me. I surrender to you today. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes for just a moment? Father, I thank you so much for your word once again. I thank you, God, that you're a God who still speaks. Lord, there's many times where where we don't hear you speak, but it's not because you've stopped speaking. It's because we're not listening. It's because we've gotten too busy. And the noise of our day-to-day busyness is keeping us from hearing the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to be first to say this morning that I repent. I repent for not being as focused on You and on the call that You have in my life as I should be. I repent for being too busy to not witness to people who are lost. I know Your will and Your plan is to save those people. And Lord, I pray that all of us this morning no matter how long we've been saved God that we would have a revival take place in our heart and we would ask you to forgive us forgive our selfishness forgive us for not being concerned about the lost we're supposed to be examples of you and we even sing songs here about it how you leave the 99 to go find the one because you're that concerned Lord we need to model that That we find that one who is broken, we find that one who is lost. And we go out of our way to tell them about your love and your mercy. Lord, if we truly have the heartbeat of the Father, we will be compassionate and caring towards those who don't know you. We will hear the message of the Lord this morning saying, there's a day that's coming, a day of judgment that's coming when all the ungodly will be destroyed. God, we should hear that and be broken and go about and do the Father's business regardless of how difficult of a task that that may be that we say, Yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll do. I'll be what You need me to be. Holy Spirit, do the work that only You can do this morning. Break our hearts. Cause us to have a fresh fire for you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do this this morning. Can we just take just just one minute and just 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 be still, please? Nobody move or, or walk around or get up. Just I, I'm I'm just going to be quiet for just a minute and just just ponder in your mind. Close your eyes and think about God. What what is my next step? What. Where do I need to start? If you need to repent, repent. Whatever needs to happen, let's just give, let's just give God a moment just to speak to us. Never claim to be prophetic, maybe pathetic, but not prophetic. But there was a, a word that come to me, and it's actually a scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And I just felt that that was God's way of saying. That maybe there's some of you here that feel like that you've messed up God's plan for your life, and that you can't go and do what He's called you to do because of a failure let your family down. You, you let your kids down. You let someone else down. That's the great thing about our God. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. Repent. Ask Him to forgive you. And keep going forward. That's the word for you this morning. I love you guys. I want the best for you. Pray God's blessings upon you. As we're being dismissed today, please don't forget the announcements. If you have your questions filled out, Mike, do you have something that you can collect the, uh, the cards from people as they're coming out? You can grab a bucket real quickly. Uh, baptisms will be two weeks from today. If you want to be baptized, please talk to Pastor Jerry over here. Uh, don't forget the giving wall out there for the youth. Stop by, pick up an envelope. Even if you only have $3 to give or twenty, you know, 25 or 4 quarters, whatever, give something today and make a difference. Have a wonderful week. Shake hands, be friendly. You guys are dismissed.